You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. So I had this friend named Henry that's a wild-eyed redneck. And one night we were fishing for catfish, night fishing, and Henry got angry when he saw a snake eating one of the fish on our fishing stringer. So he says, we're going in. And he says, follow me, bring the flashlight. And so we walk out, wade out into the water at night until we see a snake slithering on top of the water. And my job was to shine the light (laughs) into the eyes of the snake. And Henry had a two by four and he smacked it on the head and it wiggled around on the top of the water. And then he got it out of there with a two by four, brought it up on land and cut its head off. And we did that to five different snakes in one night. And look, what we're doing today as we talk about praying spiritual warfare prayers is we're going to take the light of truth that comes from God's word, the scriptures, and we're going to shine it on different areas of our lives to cut the heads off the snakes in our lives. Is anybody on board with that today, right? And so check this out. Um, I really like this Wesleyan Methodist minister named Samuel Chadwick. Listen to what he says. Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we do what? Pray, Pray, right? And so today, I want to submit one thought to you, and it's this. Through our prayers, let's make the devil tremble. Does anybody want to do that? Let's make the devil tremble right on. So here's, here's one of the things I want to acknowledge right out of the gate is that I know and understand that some of you are brand new to church and you hear us talk about a devil and you're like, a devil, right? What do we got, pitchforks and ears and, you know, a tail or whatever? Um, Well, the devil's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. It's what he does and divide. And do you see any evidence in our country of major divisions? And so I think we see a fair amount of evidence that there's evil in the world, there's human trafficking and all sorts of awful things, and there is someone we believe behind the scenes influencing people to do this type of evil. And so I just want to come right out and say we do believe that there's a spiritual realm of demonic spirits that are trying to harm you and harm other people. Um, and I hope that you can learn more about that today. And those of us that already believe, I hope that we can uh, grow stronger in our faith today. But you ever wonder why certain things happen in your life? Like certain bad things happen. I'm not saying the devil does everything, but certain things Do you think they could be influenced by evil in the background? And the devil is at war with you. And we're not this like extremist church that thinks that there's a devil behind everything. I mean, look, if you uh, run out of gas in your car, the devil didn't go siphon the gas out of your car most of the time. I mean, it's just, just you didn't fill it up with gas, right? But what if some of the things in your life were being damaged and destroyed by a dark spiritual force. And if you're going to do spiritual warfare praying, you have to understand who your enemy is. It's not the boss that you're sideways with at work. It's not like your parent that you're mad at. It's not your ex. Um, It's not Donald Trump or immigrants or CNN or Fox News. But Paul shows us who our battle is against in Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse 12. It says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities in the unseen world, 
against mighty powers in this dark world than against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so we even see this in the Our Father prayer that we studied last week, where it says, deliver us from evil. By the way, would you guys join me in thanking Aaron Dockery for a great talk on uh, the Our Father prayer last Sunday? Yeah. And another thing I want to do today is I want to kind of de-spookify spiritual warfare praying. Because it's not as simple as some weird manifestation every time you pray against the enemy. You know, you've seen movies where there's like demonized people or demonization and uh, someone's head starts spinning around or someone talks in a Darth Vader voice or, you know, goes on a long, weird, wild rant like Kanye West or something. It's not always like that, okay? So um, don't think of it as always some kind of weird uh, manifestation happening. But the next time you have some encounter with what you perceive or sense to be evil, you'll be empowered to pray about it, to deal with it yourself. Because a lot of you have grown up with the expectation of like a priest or a pastor has to deal with evil every time. But what I want you to know today is that you're empowered to do it. You don't need to call up to the church every time uh, you sense something evil or dark or, uh, or weird, but you can deal with it yourself. You can make the devil tremble. Now, I want to show you today uh, a method that I learned from a guy named Andy Reese. He wrote the book, Freedom Tools, in which he outlines his sozo method of healing. Sozo is just a Greek word that means uh, healing or deliverance. And in that book, there's a, an acrostic, the Wiesed acrostic. Would you say Wiesed with me? Maybe you'll remember it. Wiesed, right? Good. And it stands for stuff like the W stands for wounds. You know, we all have these wounds in our hearts. Some of us have been abused. Some of us have been hurt by different people, that things that they've said, things that they've done. Some of you have been hurt by churches. Some of you have hurt by, you know, someone that you used to be married to, or you've been hurt by your parents or whoever. It could go on and on and on, but we all have these wounds. And look, some wounds are small, but don't underestimate the power of even a small wound and how it can fester and grow and uh, affect you. But the E in said stands for entanglement. Now, entanglements are things that affect your thinking about yourself and other people. And let me give you a couple of examples of entanglements. Like there's unwise vows. Let me give you an example of an unwise vow. Uh, I'll never be like my dad. How many of you have ever said, I'll never be like my dad and then grew up to do the same thing, okay? Uh, yeah, it's like the kid that doesn't like his authoritative dad. You know, his dad's too you know, too strong or whatever in the authority category and, and the kid grows up and joins the military. Okay, we know what's going on there, right? Because sometimes it's a, I'll never be like my dad. Uh, another one are word curses. We talk a lot about word curses where someone spoke something that landed on you. You allowed it in. Someone said, you're worthless, you're ugly, you're stupid. Um, and what happens a lot of times is these these word curses happen in the family and they get passed down from grandma to mom to uh, you, um, they get passed down the generations. That's why in Exodus 20, you know, the Bible talks about how uh, the, you know, people are disobedient to the Lord, that it gets passed down to the third and fourth generation. I think that's partly why people are so fascinated by DNA test kits like 23andMe or 
Ancestry.com because I think we all intuitively know that there is some type of connection between us and our ancestors there. But the good news from the scripture is you don't have to stay in these type of family entanglements. You can be free of them. And Exodus 20 also says that God lavishes his grace and his love on thousands of generations of those who obey him and uh, love God. But look at the S in we said. That just stands for sin. It's straight up sin. I mean, I, I like to gloss over my sin sometimes by calling it dysfunctional behavior. And it is. Uh, but what it is, it, it, it sin is what it is. And there's this story in the New Testament that many of you are familiar with. It's the prodigal son story. And if you're new to church, you know, it's just a, this kid that he, he pulled out his inheritance early and he went and lived this wild life, you know, moved to Austin, got prostitutes, you know, uh, partied and all that. And then the Bible says when he was at the bottom, he came to his senses. And look, we can't get free if we don't come to our senses about our sin and call it what it actually is. It is sin. And I've had like wives who are having trouble with their husbands, their husbands are going crazy, you know, and they make an appointment with me and they bring their husband in and say, fix him. Or I've had uh, husbands, you know, their wife's going crazy, they bring the wife in, make an appointment with me, say, fix her. Parents got a wayward teenager, you know, teenagers going crazy, going wild, you know, bring him in, say, fix him. And you know what I say? No, I can't do it. I can't help. Unless the husband, the wife, the wayward teenager comes to an awareness, comes to their senses about their own sin. It doesn't matter if they're getting counseling from Dr. Phil. Look, they're still going to be having problems uh, if they don't come to their senses about sin. Uh, Now, the U in we said that stands for ungodly beliefs. And I want to take you to what Paul wrote about in one of his letters, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, where he says, we're human but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy, look at this, false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And so what ungodly beliefs are, are wrong thinking, wrong beliefs about God. A lot of times we think that God's not for us, that he's against us or whatever, and it leads us to this dysfunctional behavior and sin um, oftentimes. And then uh, also the ways that we think about the motives of others. And I think in leadership, that's real important. Um, That's why Henry Cloud wrote in his book, um, Boundaries for Leaders, this truth that um, a lot of the things that we think are actually not right. He says to, to take an inventory on paper and write down the negative thoughts that come to your head. Do you have regular negative thoughts that come to your head, like I'm stupid or whatever? Well, write it down on paper, he says, and then cross through it and write out the truth about who you are. You're valuable, that you're loved by God, that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, see? You're, you're countering that wrong thinking. Cloud would say that 99% of what's in your head is false because don't we gravitate many times in our heads to negative thinking rather than the truth about who we are in Christ when he received him. And uh, I liken it to those animal trainers, like guys that train elephants. You know how they do it. They'll tie the elephant to an immovable object. They'll chain him to the immovable object. And then the elephant gets used to it. 
and then the animal trainer can chain the elephant to any object, even if it's movable. And I think that's what's taking place in a lot of our lives is that we've been led to believe that we're chained to an immovable object, but the truth of the scripture is that we can break free from it and we can run free like God desired for our lives. And if you ever um, had thinking like this, I mean, here's how our minds race. Let's say you got a new boyfriend, ladies, and you text message this guy. And he doesn't text you back within two minutes because that's, that's how long you want him. You, know, you want it instantly, right? This dude better be texting me back. And he didn't text me back. And so your mind starts racing, doesn't it? Why didn't he text me back? Does he think I'm not good looking? Does he think I'm fat? I think that he's probably on his phone. He's on Tinder right now looking for another woman because he doesn't think I, he thinks I'm too fat. And then maybe he's just at work, maybe. Just maybe he's just at work and he can't, you know, text you back on his phone. And then you meet with him in person and you're angry and he can tell. And then his mind starts to race. He's like, this woman... This one, she gave me the ojo. She's really angry. This woman looks a little crazy. What if she's, what if she's crazy? I just met this woman. I don't know. By day, she's a normal woman. At night, she turns into that donkey lady on the, on the south side. You know what I mean? If you're new to San Antonio, just Google search donkey lady. And it's a fascinating story. But uh, this, is, this is where our minds go. Isn't it? We, we just go crazy. It's it, uh, 99% of the things we think are false, and we can replace them with the truth of God's word. But look at the D in said It stands for demonic issues. Um, we, what we want to do with these demonic issues is that we want to remove the right that the enemy has to our lives by removing the sin. We take authority over these demonic spirits, cast them out or away, and then we replace them with truth and blessing that comes from God's word. And over the years, I've noticed four areas that we constantly have to deal with in our city, in our culture, and uh, oftentimes even in our church. I'm going to show you these four areas. One is the anger spirit. Anybody ever struggle with anger? You have an anger fantasy. Someone kind of makes you mad and you have these fantasies. It's like, oh, I'm going to tell them off. I'm not just going to tell them off. I'm going to cuss them out. And you get these scripts that come to your mind. It's like, I know exactly what I'm going to say to that. Bleep, 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 yeah. Right? Or maybe you have an anger fantasy where you think about, I'm not just going to cuss them out, but <laughs> show them what's up. You know, I can throw down. Or maybe you're even thinking about, I'm going to have to take this guy out, right? Some of your, and some of you have acted out on anger fantasies and said things and done violence to other people that you regret, and it affected your life. And let me show you what's going on here in Ephesians 4, 26. It says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to who? The devil, doesn't it? So what I want to do with you is I want to pray a prayer out loud. And we're going to pray several prayers out loud together during our time together. And this first one is regarding anger. And I'm going to put the, uh, the prayer on the screen. And we're all going to pray this out loud together. Even if you don't consider yourself an angry person, it'll encourage those who are dealing with anger in their lives. You guys ready to say this out loud together? Ready? Here we go. Jesus, please heal the wound that makes me angry. Holy Spirit, reveal how I got entangled in anger. 
Father, I confess my sin as anger as sin. I jacked that up, didn't I? Uh, I choose to change. God, I acknowledge the ungodly beliefs. I'm not a hothead. I'm at peace. In the name of Jesus, I cast out the demon of anger. I'm free because of the cross of Christ. Anybody feel just a little bit lighter after praying that one uh, from the anger? Now, another issue that we constantly have to deal with is the lust spirit. Um, We learn a lot about how the lust spirit works in Proverbs. I want to take you to chapter 7, verse 8. And it says there, it's talking about this young man. And it says, he was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. And lust is oftentimes a path that we get on. We don't go into it thinking, hey, I want to destroy my life with lust, but we get on a path and it leads us there. So here's how it goes for a lot of men. It's like we think, you know, the family's down, they're, they're, everybody's asleep, and uh, you know that you won't be interrupted. And you think, well, I better check my work email. That's what you tell yourself. And then you go into another room with your computer, you open it up, and you're just a couple of clicks away from shame, Right? So I think what's important is we keep ourselves off the path. Ladies, with you, it works out like this. Maybe you're on the social media of an ex-boyfriend, an old boyfriend, and you reminisce about the times that you had, and you kind of romanticize it, and you think about what would it be like if we just maybe had coffee sometime, and you get on the path, and it leads to destruction, see? So... Look at what the lust spirit does next in Proverbs 7, 13. It says, she threw her arms around him and kissed him. And with a brazen look, she said, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. Look at that last part. Peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. The lust spirit can be religious. Do you know that? That's why the, the religious spirit and the lust spirit often go hand in hand. That's why you see so many of these abuse cases or scandals in churches is because religious spirits and lust spirits love each other. They love, they're drawn to each other. And I've told you before about my past struggles with lust. And there was a time when I was giving sermons and struggling with this lust related stuff um, in private. And I have talked to hundreds of men and women who are trying to walk with God. And they would say, like, Paul, why is it that I do the things that I don't want to do and don't do the things that I want to do? I'm struggling with this issue. Um, I've talked to pastors that are struggling with these issues as well. So can we just own it here at this church? And can we just say, yeah, we deal with it. And we have to not come to church to try and make ourselves look better than what we really are. And come with this show of righteousness. But rather be real and be honest and transparent about who we really are that we need help too, that we need to humble ourselves before God and and get help. And that's why we have a couple of different groups. Uh, They're both called Conquerors Groups, and they're going to be set up in the tribe walk today, both for men and women, if you want to deal with lust. And here's what I want to do today is take the shame out of dealing with lust. Can we take the shame out of it? Because you're courageous if you're willing to go to those tables and sign up. The most courageous people in this building are the people that are willing to go to those tables and say, hey, look, I got a problem and I need some help. Church is not where we go to convince everybody how righteous we are. Church is where we go to get real with each other, to help each other up. Right on? So this is the kind of church you've walked into today where we can be honest and truthful uh, about these types of issues in our lives. And um, lust says there's not going to be any consequences, doesn't it? It says that 
oh, it'll be okay. I can just do this one time. There won't be any consequences. It'll affect me in the future. But look what happens in Proverbs 7.22. This young man, like an ox, going to the slaughter, he was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce his heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. And I want to tell you today that lust leads to death. Even if it doesn't kill you, it leads to the death of your marriage, the death of your self-respect, the death of inner peace, the death oftentimes of your finances and career, the death of relationship with your kids oftentimes. It leads to death and it can take your very life if left unchecked. So what do you say we make the devil tremble today through some prayers to deal with lust. Would we be on board with that? Okay, I'm going to put it on screen, and let's all say it together to encourage those uh, that need to say it the most. Ready? Here we go. Jesus, please heal the wound that makes me lust. Holy Spirit, reveal how I got entangled in lust. Father, I confess my lust as sin. I choose to change. God, I acknowledge my ungodly beliefs. I'm not a pervert. I'm pure. In the name of Jesus, I cast out the demon of lust. I'm free because of the cross of Christ. Anybody feel a little bit lighter after praying that one? That's a good one. Now, the next area of our lives I want to deal with is the abuse and self-hatred spirit. Those things go together, and self-hatred often makes you condemn yourself, makes you feel rejected, unclean, unworthy. Um, you know, when I was younger, I was very self-conscious. You know, when you're a teenager, I was a teenager and I didn't like my acne. And then some kids would make fun of me because my eyebrows are kind of bushy, you know, and they'd say, what are those caterpillars on your forehead? You know, and it's this kind of thing. And, uh, my legs are real skinny and they look like, you know, they're kind of bowed and my college roommate called me parenthesis legs, you know, and so I, I was self-conscious about this kind of stuff, you know? And do you have those little idiosyncrasies about yourself that you don't like? You don't like those love handles or uh, whatever it is about your, your physical appearance? Well, what can happen is, even if it's a small thing sometimes, if we let those things fester, it can lead to uh, a self-hatred. And I know uh, what I've observed over the years and have read and learned from others that are way better at counseling than I am is that oftentimes a person who's dealing with self-hatred is always comparing. Notice that they're always comparing. Some are overly competitive, overly talkative. They can't stand dead air. They always have to talk, chatter. Um, not only are they uh, always talking, but oftentimes the self-rejection spirit has what we'd call a false humility layer over it where they're trying to appear humble and they're working too hard to be humble and they always say, oh, I'm just a sinner, you know, I'm just, and all this, and it's hiding a spirit of self-hatred at the core. Now, some years ago, um, I counseled with a woman who was dealing with a self-hatred spirit. Um, she had been abused in every way that you can imagine. I mean, she had been abused verbally and physically and sexually. 
and all this abuse had just seeped into her being. And she not only was dealing with a demonic problem, she also was suffering from MPD, which is multiple personality disorder. I believe in both. Um, God has designed us in such a way where we have traumatic experiences that we can compartmentalize those in different human personalities, as well as demonic interference that can happen in our lives. And she said that the self-hatred really took root because of the abuse of her parents, because her parents gave her this one life script. It was a word curse. And it was this, that they told her, you're a worthless piece of trash. Can you imagine parents saying that, something like that to kids? They said, you are a worthless piece of trash. And she let that seep into her identity. And so for years, if you would have asked her when she was a teenager, she would have said, I'm a worthless piece of trash. And as she grew up, here's how it would manifest. She would um, self-harm. She would burn herself. Um, you've probably seen, you know, teenage girls that are cutters, cut themselves or things like that, but she would burn herself and then she would allow and even encourage other people to harm her, to hurt her, to, uh, abuse her. That's how deep this problem was in her life. But what got her over the hump is when she came to a place in counseling where she could replace the lie about her life with the truth. And she exchanged the lie of worthless piece of trash for fearfully and wonderfully made by God. She embraced the truth. I'm not a worthless piece of trash, but I'm fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And her words, not mine. That's when the devil had to go. The devil had to go. And she was free. And now she lives a very productive life in serving other people and using her wounds to help other people heal because she could exchange the lie for the truth. And so what do you say we pray a prayer about this? Because I know that significant number of us in here today are dealing with the self-hatred spirit. And so let's say a prayer together, whether you're dealing with severe self-hatred uh, or just minor things, let's all say it out loud together uh, as we have it on the screen here. Ready? Here we go. Jesus, please heal the wound that makes me hate myself. Holy Spirit, reveal how I got entangled in self-hatred. Father, I confess self-hatred is sin. I choose to change. God, I acknowledge my ungodly beliefs. The abuse was not my fault. I'm not trash. I'm a treasure. In the name of Jesus, I cast out the demon of self-hatred. I'm free because of the cross of Christ. Anybody feeling a little bit lighter or a little bit better after that one? So good. Let's look at the next one, which is the spirit of unbelief. And this is common in our whole country right now is a spirit of unbelief. And I want to show you what Paul says about this in his letter to Corinthians, the second letter, uh, chapter four, verse four. It says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So you see what's taking place here. Um, some people can't believe because of a spirit of unbelief that keeps them from the ability to trust Christ, to believe that Jesus died on the cross 
for their sins. Now, there are a myriad of different reasons why people don't believe, right? Sometimes there is a legitimate, you know, intellectual issue that they've got to deal with. And we've done a whole series and we'll continue to do a whole series on logical reasons that we believe in God. Uh, why would God allow suffering in the world? How we know the New Testament documents that we're reading are historically accurate and legit. I mean, we've dealt with that to ad nauseum at this church, but all the study of proofs for the faith in the world will not matter if someone has a spirit of unbelief on their life. Um, now, there's this pastor that I've learned a lot about prayer from. His name is Chris Hodges, and he took a trip one time to Bogota, Colombia, because he wanted to visit this really massive church that had grown and been so impactful and effective in their city of Bogota, and he was going down there to learn how they run their small groups, what we call tribes here at City Church downtown. Uh, so he's asking these questions to this pastor of this very large church, He's like, hey, you know, what do you guys do in your groups or how do you organize the groups? And this pastor got kind of animated and stopped him. And he says, stop. You're not even asking the right questions. The reason what we do works is because we've won the battle in the air through prayer. The reason that we have 100,000 teenagers filling the soccer stadium worshiping God is because a small handful of teenagers from our church started praying with fasting and they prayed and only drank water for 40 days as they prayed down the spiritual authorities in the air that kept teenagers from believing in our city. The physical always follows the spiritual, see? And so don't worry about how we organize stuff learn how to pray. That's how we make an impact in our world. And so what if you and I were to pray in such a way that we lifted, we broke down those powers in the air that keep people from being able to believe? You may be a spiritual investigator here and you're trying to figure out if all this is real or not. And perhaps you could pray and say, God, would you please, if there is some demonic spirit that's keeping me from being able to believe. I want to believe. Let's pray in such a way that we open things up for our city so that more and more people can come to faith in Christ so that we can make the devil tremble. So I brought a prayer that we can pray together out loud, shall we? Let's put it on the screen and let's pray this loudly and boldly. Here we go, ready? Jesus, please heal the wounds that keep people in unbelief. Holy Spirit, reveal how San Antonio is entangled in unbelief. Father, we confess unbelief as sin. We pray for change. God, we acknowledge ungodly beliefs. Change our city. In the name of Jesus, we cast out demons of unbelief. We're free because of the cross of Christ. One year, I took a trip to Eastern Europe, Romania. Uh, one of my spiritual mentors asked me to go with him to train some Romanian leaders and also just to minister some of the Romanian people. And we found ourselves at a retreat center out in the mountains of Romania, log cabin, snow on the mountains. And I was about to retire for the evening, go to bed. And someone came to my room, knocked on the door and said, hey, your friend Phil needs you in the other room. He's ministering to a young woman. He needs your help. And there seemed to be a sense of urgency in this person. So I get to the room and what I find there is my friend Phil uh, ministering to a young woman and she was literally manifesting like these demon spirits, one of those weird 
experiences. Uh, and so we prayed and we tried to cast those things out. I wish it was as easy as just saying, in Jesus' name, be gone. And they just leave. It didn't happen that way that night. I mean, this thing was fighting back. And so for hours and hours, like late into the night, got to be about 2, 2.30 in the morning. We're still trying to pull this demon, get this demon out of this girl that's really giving her trouble. And so we're ministering to this young woman, praying, reading the word, doing everything we knew to do. When this little Romanian woman walks into the room and she just starts singing, singing the most beautiful worship song you've ever heard in your life. And when she sang that song, it's like it displaced something in Christina, the young woman we were ministering to. And she was free. Here's the interesting thing. Her eyes went from black to their normal color as this worship song took place. And I thought we would try and replicate that today because worship is so central to being free from these demonic spirits, right? So I don't have her little Romanian woman, but we do have a little Latina back here. And I'll tell you this, when she sings, I wouldn't mess with her. And so I'm gonna invite you guys to come and kneel and pray because one of our practices here is at different times of the service, we open up the front for you to literally walk down here and kneel and pray. And if you wanna pray for our city, come kneel and pray. If you wanna pray for your request that you've put on the the stage, come kneel and pray. If you wanna pray for your spouse or for yourself or for your family or for healing or for salvation to come, come kneel and pray, but let's stand together and worship God as we make the devil tremble through prayer. And so when we worship, remember it displaces something. Remember the girl, Christina, I told you about earlier, that her eyes even changed and she could smile again. And so I brought a picture of Christina and her boyfriend, Luge. And that's the smile of a woman who's learned to make the devil tremble through prayer. And I thought it would be appropriate at this point, after we've prayed and worshiped God, if we prayed just one more time, because there's someone here today that you can believe for the first time in your life. You wanted to believe, or maybe you didn't want to believe, but for whatever reason, you don't even understand it. Right now, you have the capacity to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and welcome into your life. So how about we pray? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And just you, just between you and God, I want you to say something like this. These words are not magical. Just know that the attitude of your heart's what's important when you say this, but just say something like this. Look, God, I know I've sinned. And right now, the best I know how, I'm choosing to believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And God, I welcome you into my heart, into my life. If you just prayed that and you'd like me to know about it, just peek up at me or maybe show me a hand or something real quick. Yeah, a bunch of us all over the room. Right on. on. Anybody... uh, Earlier, when we prayed for the different four areas, did anybody pray about anger, lust, uh, self-hatred, or unbelief? Anybody pray about that? Just raise your hand real quick, show me. Yeah, a bunch of us all over the room, yeah. Yeah, God, thank you 
for the faith of those who just raised their, raised their hands and for the faith of those that have prayed to you because we know the source of our freedom and it is in Christ. We thank you for all that you've done in our hearts and our lives today. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Well, you guys Thanks for ahead. listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.